Bienvenue sur le podcast What's Your Thoughts on This? Je suis votre hôte, Ami Ali. Le sujet de l'émission d'aujourd'hui est Les Américains vivant à Paris, l'histoire de Cristiano and Latrice. Welcome to the What's Your Thoughts on This podcast. I'm your host, Amir Ali. The topic of today's show is Americans Living in Paris, the story of Cristiano Joaquini and Latrice. You don't want to miss this. But before you do anything, before you do anything, make sure you subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Have an awesome day, everyone. What's up, world? Welcome to the What's Your Thoughts on This podcast. I'm your host, Amir Ali. I'm an opinionated fat boy from the west side of Detroit. I was groomed in Chicago and shaped in New York, but in my heart, Paris is home. Join me on my quest to get answers and gain clarity on a plethora of controversial topics, current events, and political issues. It's a lot going on in the world that I want to discuss. So please, take a listen and tell me your thoughts. Tell me what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts, what's your thoughts Paris, the city of light, is known to many as one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Since the 19th century, black Americans have been moving to France to escape the incessant racism in America. James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, Charlie Parker, and Josephine Baker all left the United States and made Paris their home. In 1946, black writer Richard Wright said, There is more freedom in one square foot of Paris than there is in the entire United States of America. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with two Americans who are currently living in Paris, photographer and YouTuber Cristiano Joaquini and YouTuber, style curator, expat coach, and the owner of Paris Chic Code, Latrice. I wanted to find out why they moved to Paris, if they still like Paris, would they ever move back to America, and if the quality of life is better in France or in the United States. They answered these questions and many, many more. The show starts with Cristiano and Latrice follows directly after. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome YouTuber and photographer Cristiano Joaquini to the show. Thank you for coming to the show, Cristiano. Thank you for having me. Where were you born? I was actually born in Kansas City, Missouri. My family, we lived there for about eight years. Okay. And then we moved to Italy because my father's Italian for three and a half years. And then from there, we moved to the Maryland DMV area. You were born in Missouri. Your father's Italian, your mother's Jamaican. How old were you when you guys moved from Missouri? I stayed there until I was eight years old. And then you moved to Italy? And then I moved to Italy, yes. Now, when you guys moved to Italy, were you staying with family? We were basically just living in Italy. Yeah, we did have family there on my yeah. dad's side. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, we did have uh, people there. So it wasn't just random. Do you know why you guys moved at that time? Was it for a job or your dad just wanted to leave America? No, we were just uh, uh, kind of wanted to go to a different environment. And we had travel there often during summer times and stuff because uh, you know we have family there so we just decided to change things up basically okay and then you said you guys moved back to america yes and where did you move to then we moved to the dmv so uh, maryland area 
on the East Coast. We stayed there for another three years and a half. Okay. How old were you when you guys moved to the DMV area? Around 11 years old. You moved back to America. Do you know why the family moved, decided to move back to America? I think we had enough of Italy. <laughs> Italy okay. is a beautiful country. Um, food is amazing. Best in the world, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, just living there uh, wasn't really right for us. And like wasn't right for my brother with his football because I have a twin brother um, and he plays football. Uh, now professionally here in France, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't really vibing in Italy very well. You know, it was didn't really feel like he was treated well either. So yeah, we came back to the states. Did you experience racism being two little black kids living in Italy, not being able to speak the language? Honestly, I feel like we were too young to fully experience that. But I do hear from my mom, you know, telling us that there was definitely a limitation in opportunities, especially at school. You know, we'd be treated a little differently. We knew there was something, my brother and I, but I feel like we were just too young and we weren't really sure why we were treated differently. But there definitely yeah. was uh, something there. And looking back now and being more aware of the topic and the, and the situation, of course, yes, there was different. We were treated differently. Yeah, that sucks. Okay, so you're in the DMV. Um, how old are you now? Uh, this is around 11, 12 years old. And how long did you guys stay in the DMV? We stayed there for another three and a half years or so. Yeah, until we were about, I was about 15, 16. Okay. So I started my first two years of high school. Actually, it was at this point where I started to learn more of my culture and all that, being an American and, uh, you know, the stuff that uh, Black people go through and all that, um, which then I could look back on Italy and be like, damn, okay. <laughs> so that was actually happening. <laughs> so up until then, you didn't know much about Black culture? Well, it's not like we didn't know much. It's just we weren't really aware of a lot of the injustices. Because in Italy uh, or in a lot of Europe, you know, it's not a topic of discussion yeah. like it is in the States. And yeah. my parents not really being from the States as well, it, it just doesn't come up as often in conversation. We just weren't really exposed to it. It wasn't really till yeah, we got to the DMV area and we start, you know, going to public school there. You start seeing it as a topic coming up in class and coming up amongst uh, other peers watching the news and stuff was starting to escalate a bit in the states that's where we started to learn a lot of it so how did it feel coming from europe and coming back to america in the dmv area at a pivotal time in your life right at beginning high school did you feel like a fish out of water did you feel comfortable what did you feel yeah, it was, it was definitely different coming to the States. I, at least personally, I felt a bit like a fish out of water. But I feel like um, because of the constant traveling, I was quick to adapt. Yeah. It's funny because in the U.S., you, they preach freedom of speech. But I feel like in Italy and Paris, they practice it actually more. Oh, definitely. <laughs> There's less of a repercussion if you speak exactly what you think. So I just got to adapt to it. I feel like all three of us are really smart about it. You know, we're quiet. We uh, pay attention. And we fit in. Yeah. Well, where did you move after the DMV? It was about 2015-2016. We just came to the Paris. Uh, actually, my brother came a year before with my father and mother, you know, going back and forth. Uh, but then we moved around 2016 or so uh, all to Paris. So had you been to Paris before you moved? 
I had gone there, I think, twice before. I had no idea I was going to go there. My mom hinted at the idea. She asked me, like, yo, Chris, what, what would you think of us just moving to Paris? And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't really for it. I was getting more comfortable in the state, at, in the States and the DMV area. Um, I was, I was, you know, building contacts, friends and stuff because, you know, we were yeah. constantly bouncing around and I thought this would be the place where I would stay. Yeah. But uh, I figured that once she asked me, uh, it was because it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those, I asked, but this is what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, it was weeks later, she was like, okay, uh, yeah, we're moving to Paris. So I was like, oh, great. <laughs> okay. Did you speak the language? Oh, no. No, no French at all. French is zero. <laughs> I was a mixture of excited, nervous. I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. I never lived there before. It wasn't like going to Italy because in Italy we'd gone there often yeah. before. Uh, yeah, I never studied the language, which I can tell you now is definitely one of the most difficult languages it to is, learn. Man. You know, I was just like, you know, it is what it is. I guess I'm going here and I, again, we'll have to adapt. <laughs> Now I'm here. <laughs> and, and when you guys moved to Paris, where did you move? When it was my brother um, and my alternating parents, originally they lived in the heart of Paris, like right near Châtelet, which is in the first oh, yeah, these by, mall, um, like, Hotel de Ville. Yeah, yeah, in that area. Um, yeah, in the Marais. So, so for, exactly. But yeah. uh, when by the time I came, my sister come, we went to the 12th on these malls. So it's uh, a bit more east. We're still not that far from the Marais and all that. We're actually just like four metro stops, which is like four minutes on the metro, literally. What is that line one or what line is that? Exactly. Yeah, line one. Line yeah. one is the clutchest metro to be on. It is, man, because I usually stay in Port Mayo. Oh, right. Yeah. So I'm lying one all day. I, my yeah. BOC bone, my mono pretty, my all my stores <laughs> are like right along the way. Yeah. So yes. I know the one it's, very well. It's fast. It's consistent. Um, like it's just it goes straight to the middle. It's just clutch. I love I love life. Yeah. How old were you when you moved to Paris? I was about 16 years old. But what was that like starting school in a place where you don't know the language? What was that experience like? Where I went to school was actually an international school. Okay. Where they spoke English, first of all, as for uh, for most of the subjects, for pretty much every subject, except for mandatory French we had to take. Okay. In terms of the diversity, it was an extremely diverse school. I mean, we had from students from Africa, from Korea, from the States, from Argentina, like literally all over the world. It was kind of a, you know, a blessing and a curse because A, I didn't really get to practice just the language that much because yeah. in Italy, you know, we were just kind of submerged into it. So we had to learn it really quickly. Yeah. Uh, being in an international school every day uh, where everyone speaks English, you know, I didn't, I wasn't forced to speak French and the lessons uh, or the classes are definitely not enough. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. It was a really small private school here. I didn't really know anyone there. I knew only one guy who was friends with my brother who had gone there previously. Honestly, going to that school was more different because it was a small private school and I was yeah. used to a big public school in the United States. That was one of the biggest shocks, honestly. But uh, outside of school, the day-to-day -day life was very different. Obviously, taking the metro to school was completely different. I was used to being driven to school or taking the bus to school uh, back in the States. And now you know, I'm just, you know, completely by myself, you know, taking public metro every day, learning the city, 
uh, for myself just to go to class and get something to eat after and all that. So that was my biggest, I guess, culture shock because uh, I was used to being yeah driven around everywhere. And now it's yeah. just, uh, I have the city for myself. I mean, I'm 16 years old. And although Paris is a big city, it's not a big city. Yeah, You can uh, easily get around the place. And, and that was just cool. And I felt very mature and it was a really maturing experience to be more independent um with where wherever i wanted to go because you know once you get the navigo pass which is the metro pass to allow you to take any metro at any time you can go anywhere at any time it was a cool amount of freedom that i wasn't used to so because your father is italian he already automatically has citizenship well it's not citizenship but he can stay or live anywhere in a sanctioned region correct Correct. Yes. So therefore, you guys were able to live there as well. Yes. We all have uh, European Italian passports. So yes, we can all live here. I thought I had that right. Just wanted to make sure. Yes. Which is great for someone like you because it, it makes the whole process a lot easier for someone like me. It's like you have to look at the different visas and look at different ways that you can come and how long you can stay. And oh my God, that's Correct. just Yeah, I, I know. I know it's a hassle because I know there were kids at my international school who had to deal with that. And there are kids currently at my university who are constantly dealing with that. So I understand. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in France for how long now? Uh, six years now. Six years. six years. Would you say this is home? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's pretty much the longest I've stayed someplace. But I would say, yeah, this is where pretty much we all are. So this is where home is. We're not really used to settling anywhere. So yeah. home is kind of wherever we are. So this is where we are. So yeah, this is home. Okay. Why do you think France is home or your place where you're going to make roots? I've, you know, made some contacts here and I'm building my photography company here and my YouTube channel here. You know, I feel like because I'm starting life here, it'll be at least my first home as I as I develop in my career. But who knows? I, I'm completely open to go anywhere. Part of me wants to go back to the States for some reasons. You know, part of me wants to stay in Paris with the career path I'm trying to go with with photography and YouTube and all that if I'm able to make it work uh, or should, I should say when I'm able to make it work I would like to you know never re not really have just one place I stay but as of right now uh, we're building ourselves here and uh, so we intend for this to be home as until it's no longer <laughs> How long before you start saying I instead of we? Because I notice everything I'm hearing you say is we, we, we. Right. So how long do you think that will take before your decisions are your decisions and not family decisions? That's a good question. Ever since the beginning, my family has been very tight. Yeah. My parents did get divorced and my father is really no longer in our picture. He still lives in the States. So it's my mom, uh, my sister, uh, my brother, and we're all here. Okay. In um, so we're very tight. None of us have really like separated. Uh, my sister's career is, you know, starting to uh, pick up speed with she's working on music here in Paris. But we know we're still all together. So, okay, yeah. so to answer your question, when when is it going to be I? I'm not <laughs> sure. I feel like it, that's at the point where I'm financially completely financially uh, independent and I live by myself. I guess that's when it's I. So tell me what it is that you dislike about France and not what you like, because we're going to get there. <laughs> but what is it that you dislike about France or Paris? 
Okay, where do I start? <laughs> First of all, this is a rant that I have and the friends don't like when I say it. I feel like the food is completely overrated here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the best city uh, I've eaten in in France has definitely been Lyon. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely been the best in France. But in Paris, oh my goodness. <laughs> There are a few places that are really good. Um, and you know that because they always have a line. They're always backed up. Yeah. But the average place here, I feel, is pretty mid. As someone who's lived in Italy and, and traveled to, you know, Greece and, and places around the world, I, I hate to say it, but I put the U.S. over France in terms of just going out to eat. I, I'm more confident I'm going to get something that I like to eat in the United States than I am here in Paris. From a business perspective, dealing with people here, it feels a lot less uh, what we consider professional in the United States. Um, there are moments where you feel that communication is very weak. When it comes time for payment, <laughs> people tend to disappear. And I know this stuff also happens in the U.S. It's happened to me in the U.S. as well. But uh, in the U.S., um, I find dealing with people when it comes to business things, with things that involve money and contracts, there is more of a respect between both parties. Yeah. There's a, a lack of professional business or work ethics um, working with people here. It's not French people. It's just people who have, I think, adopted kind of the business culture here. Yeah. Anything else you don't like? Places closing before they're actually supposed to close. Oh my gosh. It is such an issue here. Yeah, it is. If you see a store on Google or whatever says it's closed at 10 p.m., at 8.30, they start packing things up. Yeah. At 9, there's missing staff members. By 9.15 to 9.30, they're not taking any new people into the store at all. By 9.45, they're closed. There's a gate in front of the thing, up in front of the store. As an American, you're not used to that. Because as yeah. an American, you go to a place that says it's closing at 10, you go at 10, 10, and they still let you in because that's business, you know? That's something that's kind of frustrating. I need to go to a bank or a supermarket or like even a restaurant because I'm hungry or whatever and I'm out and I need to do something quickly. But then I realize they're closed and they're not supposed to be. And they're like, just sorry. <laughs> That's another part, I guess, of their business culture is just different. And I get it because here people, they don't live to work yeah. like they do in the States. You know, they enjoy life more, but there are just times where it's really inconvenient. Before you say your likes, I wanted to know, have you experienced being a person of color living in Paris? Have you noticed that people treat you different than the natives? Definitely, yes. Paris is very class-based. Yeah. Like social classes. And unfortunately, Black French or African French, uh, Black African French here are considered to be on the lower class. Mm. But when they hear someone with color who has um, an American accent or, you know, yeah, they're struggling with the language, they're more intrigued. And yes, they do often, I feel, treat you better because they're assuming you are of a higher class. Because to be an American in Paris, they know you're not a part of the, the African Black here, which is a different social class. I find that I get treated better than even like uh, my mom um, at first appearance, even because I'm, I'm light-skinned, I'm, I'm mixed. And my mom, she's Black Black. But in general, yeah, my family, I feel like we get treated better because we are um, Americans here more so than uh, people who are African Black here. 
I literally was in the store. I was just walking around. I, I'm speaking to her in my bad French and she speaks to me in English and says, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from New York. Oh my God, you're from New York. I mean, you would have thought like Jay-Z or Beyonce or somebody had walked in there. She treated me like gold. And I was like, damn, you know, it's funny because being in America, I don't get treated like that. You know, no. I don't get anyone so happy that this black man has walked in their store. You know, of course, I've never, of course. <laughs> I've never got that. But then going over to Paris, it's like the people, they're so excited. They want to know about you. They're intrigued. And it's just so interesting to me how that is that they will separate us american blacks because i think in their minds it's like well they're still american yeah and they separate us against their own people and i I, that's one thing i would say i hate about france because even though it's a benefit for me Mm. i still think about my people all together not just me yeah they prioritize the american over the black yeah and yeah of course that's not fair at all to the larger community of blacks who actually live here yeah i agree that is not that's not good yeah okay so let's get to the things that you love about uh, paris as i live in paris you know everything is pretty easy to access walking around the city is really easy you can pretty much get anywhere and there's like a sense of uh, maturity and independence that you can pretty much go anywhere and do anything without much of a hassle here. You don't need a car, yeah. you don't need to spend money on gas or anything. And if it's a nice day out, which is kind of rare, but uh, if it's a nice day out and you don't even need the Metro, you can pretty much walk anywhere in the city within like two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really nice. So that's one thing I really like. Also, you're not afraid of other people here. I feel like in the U.S. there's always a little tension between people of different, uh, you know, ethnic groups uh, or even between you and your neighbors, you know. Whilst here, I just feel safe personally here. I'm not Mm -hmm. afraid of the police. Obviously, yes, social injustice, you know, police uh, injustice still does happen here. It happens pretty much everywhere in the world, but definitely way less than the United States. Uh, walking home late at night isn't scary, at least for me personally. It's just nice to not really feeling scared of anything. The next thing, it's pretty much in, it's in a really good spot geographically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Paris, you can travel to a bunch of amazing places uh, all around you. Yeah, very quickly. The mm-hmm. trains are good uh, to get around in France. The TGV, uh, SNCF uh, trains, they're very uh, fast and efficient, comfortable. Uh, they can get a bit pricey, but um, it's still, you know, nothing compared to like a flight. Yeah. And it, even flights aren't that expensive. If you book ahead, you can easily go to Italy or Greece or, uh, you know, England, Ireland, Norway, like anywhere around you. Um, and yeah. there's just a lot of um, beautiful places around to travel to. So I do like its geographic location. Well, uh, Paris. Okay, the city is is pretty. It's a it's a beautiful city, and as a yes. photographer, having Paris be your background is never bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not hard to find you know pretty locations to shoot. A lot of the um, you know old structures are still in the city, which uh, I, I appreciate. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful city to be in. 
Um, yeah, architecturally, I think it's probably one of the best cities. I mean, when you stand at t- on the top of Arc de, the Arc de Triomphe yes. and you just look or any of the buildings, everything is symmetric. Oh, my God. It's just so yeah. freaking beautiful. It and is. for me, the light, I just, oh, anyway, this is uh, your time. But no, anyway. no, 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 no. I, I completely agree with that. The lights are beautiful in Paris. And honestly, one of the best views um, is when you have the Christmas or the markets or whatever in the Tuileries Garden. Oh, my God. Yeah, they put the, move, yeah. yeah, and they put the Ferris wheel uh, there. If you go up yeah. in the Ferris wheel and you, when, they, when you stop at the top, the view is really, uh, it's fantastic. And it's unique because not everyone goes on the Ferris wheel. Because yeah. uh, obviously Paris is photographed a lot. You know, everyone has pretty much seen every square inch of Paris. When and if you come here, you should definitely go on the Ferris wheel and check it out uh, from above. Looks sick. But yeah, the lights, they're just times where, you know, you're walking home or whatever. You're just walking to place and you just kind of forget where you are. Yeah. When it hits you, you just look around and you're like, damn, like, this is Paris. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, there hasn't been a place I've lived in before that felt that way. So I do appreciate that. Okay. Anything else? As I'm learning it, I'm liking the language. French yeah. is an extremely was was an extremely difficult language to learn, especially because I only relied on classes. But I learned most of my French working at a restaurant for like a summer, honestly. Like it was just like a month or two and forcing myself to speak it helped a lot. But now that I'm pretty conversational with it, I, I really like the language. Cool. It's a funny story. My friend needed some hair gel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needed some gel from his hair. And, you know, we went to Monoprix and all of those places and they didn't have the gel he needed. This was uh, 2019. They were protesting about, I don't know, was it the fuel prices or something? I think it was the fuel prices. I don't know if you remember, but the uh, trains were stopping, I think, at six yes. o'clock. We're in the store, right? I was like, oh, in the metro. And the lady was like, say from May. I said, say from May? What do you mean? It's closed. She said, it's closed. I was like, what? So, we, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do. And we're looking at the GPS. Everything's closed, right? I went up to the uh, police officers and said, vous parlez anglais? And he said, vous parlez anglais? You're speaking to me in French. So you continue. So I yeah. spoke my bad French to him and he helped me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really cool because he didn't just help me like everybody came out of out of the car you know mm-hmm. all of these police officers and it's funny to me because the police officers in in france are very scary looking because they have mm-hmm. the machine guns they're holding oh, them yes, you yes, know they yes. just look like they're yeah. about to shoot your ass you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you know can you imagine me talking to these people and i'm barely speaking the language and they're like tell me what you want i was talking to one guy who's a black guy and these two other guys came and they were just telling us what to do. And it was funny because I said, in America, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable to ask a police officer for that type yeah, of help. Definitely. definitely and that's yeah. sad. It is. Outside of my country, I felt more comfortable speaking to the police than I do in my own country. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Sad. But the you know one of the things that I love the most about Paris is the history. 
I love, you know, you, you were talking about how beautiful it is and it is beautiful, but I love being able to walk down the street and see things that are part of history that were here in the 12, 13, 1400s that are yet standing and in great condition. And it's just it's something about that. One of the things that I really, really love about Paris is the work-life balance. I really do love that. Like, I love when it's Fête de la Musique, how everything oh, yes. shuts down. I was like, this is a holiday to celebrate mm -hmm. music? <laughs> what? Like, really? Yes. Like, yes. it's just to celebrate music and then all of the bands and all of the people that are out there just performing and you get off of work just so you can celebrate life. Like, yeah. no, not because somebody killed somebody in the war or not because this famous person we're told we should celebrate. No, it's to celebrate life and they don't live to work. And I love that because in America, sometimes it appears that we live to work. We're always working. We don't shut down. If we get off at five or seven, we're still working because we want to prove to our bosses that we're a good employee. And I love that you can't just fire someone. Yes. They give yes. them a two month notice. Whereas in America, we have to give jobs a two week where we're supposed to give jobs. Well, they would like, I should say, for us to give <laughs> jobs two weeks notice, but they don't give you any notice. It's just like, okay, we want to fire you. It's time for you to go. Whereas right. in France, it's like, okay, it's not working out. We're not going to renew your contract or whatever. You know, here's the two yeah. months. It's things like that I, that I love about France. And yes. I love that they protest for everything. Like I, I remember do, in yes. 2018, was it when I was there? The Yellow Jackets, they were going oh, crazy about something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. I love the fact that they fight for what they want. They don't sit back and just allow things to happen. They state how they feel and they will fight and fight and fight. And they're united as a people. Uh, yes. They're united for these causes and they actually get things done. They you know? do, like the price of the Metro. It yeah. stayed at one euro 90 for yeah. so long because of the protesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, France is a history of, of revolutions and all that, and they keep it going, you know? Yeah. They, they, the people are strong here together. That's something that, uh, you know, we wish we'd see in more places. Um, Definitely. I do completely agree with that. It's empowering. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I completely agree. And I completely agree with your previous points as well about uh, not just living to work um, and, the, and the whole firing dynamic. And it's all kind of connected, you know, it's all because work really isn't the most important thing. People feel pretty safe in their job because it's not it's not only takes a long time, but it's not easy to fire someone yeah. here and they yeah. look at Americans, they look even at people like me, you know, who, who like my family, you know, we're, we all like work super hard and a lot in our crafts and they look at us like, you know, are you actually living though? Like, are you, are <laughs> yeah. you, are you getting a chance to enjoy where you are and, and what you're doing and who you actually have around you? Um, or are you just uh, keeping your head down and focusing on your work and all that, which I completely understand. and. I feel like uh, living here will give me an opportunity to have a good balance between the two because I think like there should be a balance. I really do appreciate that culture and there are moments that it hits you and it's like, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, like walking in the city and you see, you know, people like adults um, and, and teenagers and just people just, you know, chilling at cat, even, you know, elderly people who were in the US, they pretty much all put them in nursing homes 
they're out in Paris. They're out, you know. They're oh, out yes. doing stuff. They're out doing stuff, and you see they get their just... baguettes every morning too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, you just see people talking at cafes and terraces and just just enjoying each other. Um, and it's really about people here, and just and and you can tell there isn't that you know that need for you know greed and money and all the things that kind of fuel the the. Uh, the society of the U.S. Um, and uh, it's yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's have you ever been to New York? I do, I do. Uh, we have uh, my grandparents live in New York. That's where my mom is actually right now. Um, okay, so you've been I, in the subway in New York, right? Yes. <laughs> One of the things that I love about Paris, I already know, <laughs> is the cleanliness of uh, the yeah. metro. Yes. And listen, there are some spots that you know are not as clean but for the most part it pales in comparison to our subway in new york now i what i do like about our subway in new york is before the pandemic it was 24 hours whereas i think in france it will stop at like what two yeah 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 but as far as the smell it's clean. I mean, you guys have condom dispensers, <laughs> which cracked me. When I saw that, I was like, Durex. I was like, I thought that was a condoms. And my friend said, it is. <laughs> yes, that is. That is I said, yes. oh, okay. <laughs> right, yes. I just love it. I mean, it has its positives and its negatives, but it's nothing. The feeling that I get when I wake up there and I go to a boulangerie and get a, a baguette or a croissant and just literally just sit there and do nothing until that's done. I don't do yeah. that here yeah. in America. But I do want to ask, have you experienced racism living in Paris? Yes, but very, very little. And I've never really felt afraid. I think there are two different types of experiences I feel. One is whenever you're near the elderly French people, they get a little tense if they're alone with you, like in a metro car, uh, you know, later at night, or if they're alone with you on the street, you can tell they get a bit nervous, uh, more nervous, I guess, I'm assuming, than they would if I, I would say, look more like them. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it's because of that, but nothing really that bothered me at all. And then the other type of thing or other type of experience is if you're going to shops, sometimes you feel the staff, they, uh, they hang around you, you know, you see them checking on you uh, more than other people in the store, just, I guess, making sure you're not going to, you know, steal anything or yeah, especially in, you know, more luxury stores or higher end stores. So like versus like Avenue Montaigne versus like if you're in Chatelet area? Yeah, yeah, Chatelet, I wouldn't pay me any mind, really. Yeah, uh, but in Avenue but, Montaigne, they would. Yeah, Avenue Montaigne, on the Champs-Élysées, uh, all there. Um, yeah, you just feel like a, a few more eyes are on you and yeah. uh, uh, and they act, and they offer. Uh, because I really, I don't like the idea of perceiving that there may be racism if there isn't at all. I don't want to be like that at all. But so when I do feel it, like I know I'm being true to myself. And yeah. uh, there are times that, yes, I do feel it. But to be honest, this pales in comparison to what I felt and what I think I would still be feeling now uh, if I lived in the United States. Um, I, I'm not afraid of anyone here because of the color of my skin. Obviously, no, it's not perfect, but I don't really think anywhere is perfect. I feel safe here uh, regarding that. 
But I feel like the real reason here is because, like I said before, it's more of a class situation more so than color. Mm. Because there are well-off people, you know, here in France who are black. It's not a small community either. Yeah. So I feel like class is a really important factor for the uh, whole uh, racism experience here in France for people. If you could say anything to any Americans or anyone around the world who are thinking of moving to Paris, what would you say from your experience of being an American living in Paris? I would tell them to try to try to live as close to the center of the city as possible. Uh, it's actually at yeah, the center slash eastern side of the city as possible because there's uh, there's an energy, there's a liveliness um, on this on the side of the city that I live in that I really I really appreciate. I'm in the 12th, but anywhere in this the eastern side near like Bastille or République, culture, food, the environment is just really. Uh, refreshing uh, it's really, yeah refreshing sorry. and uh, you know it takes you kind of away from the touristic Paris so yeah that would be what I would say awesome well Cristiano brother I thank you so 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 much hopefully I'll see you soon when I come to Paris and of course. I'll see you around taking pictures <laughs> <So>. <laughs> of course of course <laughs> all right I, I, I look forward to it let me know let me know when you're in town no problem brother thank you so much Yes, thank you for having me. This conversation is just getting started. Up next, YouTuber and the owner of Paris She Code, Latrice. But while you're waiting, go ahead and subscribe. <laughs> Latrice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You are more than welcome. So let's jump right into it. So you live in Paris, right? I live in Paris. Okay. Yes. You're from America, right? I'm from the United States, originally from California, the Bay Area. Okay. So you were living in California with all of that sun and all of the beautiful homes. How did you get to Paris? I had always felt like the Bay Area was too small for me. Okay. And I never really liked L.A. So before I got to Paris, I actually, I moved to New York and I was in New York for about six years before I got to Paris. Where did you live in New York? I'm in New York now. Oh, really? I lived in Harlem. Okay, awesome. Where are you in Harlem? Um, on off of uh, St. Nicholas Terrace. Got it. Okay. You know that restaurant Maison Harlem? Yes. yes. Maison Harlem. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Food is delicious. My apartment is is close by uh, that restaurant. So awesome. Yeah, close to one twenty fifth. You are a girl from the Bay. Mm-hmm. What made you move to New York? Because you you thought it was too small. Well, okay. So I thought the Bay was too small, and I was an, an avid fan of Sex in the City. Okay. And so, <laughs> so I said, I'm going to move to New York, and I'm going to look fabulous and live my best life. I'm going to be the Black Samantha Jones. Okay. In New York, definitely wanted to be the Black uh, Samantha Jones, and I definitely wanted the New York experience, and I love New York still. Okay, so you were going to be the Black Samantha Jones. You're in Harlem. Did you love it? I absolutely loved Harlem. Still love Harlem to this day. I have tons of friends in New York, and I try Mm -hmm. to get back as often as I can. But the transition from New York to Paris was New York was a very or is a very international city. Yeah. And in New York, I finished my bachelor's degree and I studied um, international relations and economics. And as part of my degree, I had to learn a second language. Now, listen, I'm not 
17 or 18 years old at, at this point. I'm, you know what I mean? Okay. I'm in my 30s, so I am struggling in this class. Mm. Meanwhile, the Dominican and the Puerto Rican students and the Haitian and Caribbean, all the Caribbean students are running circles around me. I mean, they're picking up this language because they, you know, they spoke another language already, so it was a bit easier for yeah. them. So, because of the type of person that I am and how I was just so frustrated that I couldn't pick up the language, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to France and I'm gonna study mm. abroad in France. And, and so I studied abroad in France for a summer. And then I came back to New York. I delayed graduation for a year so I can study in Paris for a year. And I literally came to Paris and like did not go back to New York for like three years. Wow. But before you moved to Paris, was it a place that you had always thought about moving to? Definitely. I remember being in the fifth grade and in the fifth grade, we had to do an autobiography and you had to act out the person that you were doing a report on. You had to act as if you were them in the first person and do like a monologue. Okay. And I chose Marie Antoinette. Ah, Marie Antoinette. I chose Marie Antoinette and I did the, I dressed up in my mother. My mother had this gown, this gown that she wore uh, for someone's wedding. It was a beautiful, very elaborate bridesmaid's gown. And I wore the bridesmaid's gown. I did the line, let them eat cake. I did the whole thing. (laughs) Even though she never said it. Even though she never said it, but in fifth, you know, but you still have some, some writers who will lean into that and say that she said it. So I, I leaned fully into Madame Marie Antoinette, fully embraced the character. And it was from that point on, I think that I began to love all things French. And then after high school, like in my early twenties, yeah. I worked for Louis Vuitton in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. and so- Can I get a discount? Ah, worked, past tense. <laughs> Listen, you know black people, we are gonna find a way to get us a discount Listen, somewhere. So. <laughs> we always want to plug, okay? But yeah, I worked for Louis Vuitton, which was a great company to work for, especially yeah. at that age, because they exposed me to so many, so many things. I was like one of three black managers. And one thing that Louis Vuitton did at the time, apparently they no longer did do this, but they would send all of the managers to Paris so you can experience the arts of luxury. Mm. So in experiencing the art of luxury, they took you to the Louis Vuitton home where he grew up, the museum workshop where you see the artisans, you know, create the bag. They gave us a a room, you know, overlooking the Eiffel Tower. So I was able to see it sparkle at night. I mean, I'm 24 years old living a dream. Yeah. You're 24 years old. Mm -hmm. You're in Paris, Mm -hmm. right? And this is a place where you had thought about going and everything and you're here Mm -hmm. and you're here in class. What did that feel like? Um, It was it was very surreal. It was very surreal because they sent me here for a week and to take advantage. I went a week earlier. So I was Mm. I was by myself here and just lost, just lost and exploring. But I had never seen anything so beautiful or, or, and I've always been a history buff. So, you know, the architecture and then, you know, going to Chateau de Versailles after that report that I did, it was very surreal. I couldn't believe that I was here and I didn't know anyone who had been here, Yeah, you know? 
it's funny we share a similar story I, I didn't play Marie Antoinette because I'm a man mm-hmm. but when I was younger and but for whatever reason I always wanted to learn French mm. I remember my grandmother she would always get on the phone and say speak to me speak some French to me because I was taking French in school mm-hmm. so it was a place that I always wanted to go to and when I went it exceeded my expectations that I had mentally yes it exceeded them yes so after that, you went back to you went back to New York or were you in L.A. at that time? I was still in California at that time. OK, so what was it like when you went back? Did you have this need or desire to always go back or what was going on in your mind? I think I talked about that trip for a good two years. <laughs> OK, Hi, what's your name? Nice to meet you. You know, I went to Paris in 2005. <laughs> you know, anyone that I met knew yeah. that I went to Paris. Mm. It was that incredible for me. It's all about the power of manifestation because I remember packing and moving to New York and the day that my movers arrived, me telling my roommate, I'm so excited to be in New York, but I think after I'm done with New York, I'm going to move to Paris. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I did. You moved from the Bay Mm -hmm. to New York and then went from New York to Paris for school. Correct. So how how long were you in school in Paris? I was supposed to come here for a semester. Come here meaning Paris, right? To come to Paris for a semester, exactly. When I applied for the visa, I applied for a year visa just in case I wanted to stay longer. Okay. Um, so I had a year. I extended graduation. Not only did I extend in graduation, I added a degree. I said, okay, I'm gonna go and study French. And French is gonna be my second degree. So that was my justification for them supporting me to come here okay. and letting me extend graduation. So I extended graduation and added a second degree program in French so I can study French. After the year was up, I went back to the school and was like, you know, I'm just not ready to come back. Like, can I take any more classes? They were like, girl, you have so many credits. It's run its course. You need to graduate. So I went on and graduated. I stayed here and ended up getting a job lecturing at a university. But initially it was under the table. Okay. Well, I love under the table. Yes. No taxes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Isn't it funny how when God has something ordained for you, any rules that were in place, it doesn't matter. There's no rules. It's God's rules and God's time. I just love that. Yeah, I know the tax people probably don't like me hearing me say that. but Okay, you are telling the truth. When something is for you, it's for you. And there may be small obstacles you know, along the way. But if it's meant to be, it's going to be hook or crook. That's right. What God has for you is yours. Amen. Period. Amen. Period. Okay. Okay. So you start lecturing. You decided that you were going to stay in Paris. What made you want to stay in Paris? You said you loved New York. You loved the Bay. You loved all these other places. Why stay in Paris? I, like every American girl that gets to Paris, I fell in love. Mm, so okay. I fell in love. My partner. With the Frenchman? With the French, well, Franco Congolese. So French African. Okay. So I fell in love. My partner and I are together. He is all the things. And I do not want to go back to those Harlem streets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Since I found her some love. Listen. <laughs> I need to make this work. So, and and not only was it just him, I just was not ready to go back yet. It was just so beautiful here. And it it was such a different experience for me that 
I, I, I just, I wanted to let it play out a little longer. I just wasn't ready to go back. Okay. So you're in this relationship, mm -hmm. you're in Paris. Mm -hmm. Are you in an apartment by yourself or like, what was your living situation like? Initially when I got here, I was subleasing um, a studio. Okay. So I'm subleasing a studio. I am working and making such a measly salary because it's under the table. So I'm working like part-time yeah. and, you know, my partner is helping me, you know, financially. And then once school, the school said, yeah, you need to graduate. It was okay. I need to figure out how I'm going to stay in this country. And so okay. then became, you know, the hustle towards, um, getting a job that would sponsor me to stay here. Mm. Mm -hmm. And were you able to find one? Yes, actually, my job, my job that was under the table became a full-time position for me, full-time tenured position for me. So after awesome. three years of literally getting it out of the mud, I I turned that into, you know, a, a, a pretty lucrative position for myself and very cushy. I'm very comfortable and, and I thank God that he placed that opportunity in my lap. It was not easy at all. I had some crazy boss, American bosses at that, but it, it, it worked out. I'm, I'm like the last one standing over there and I, I love it. But you know, that's a lesson to people listening. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what's for you may not come in the way that you think that it should be packaged. Yes. But you have to trust God and follow your heart and follow the light that God shines before you. Yes. Then you will find your destiny. And I think that's what you have done. If you had to say your two most favorite things about Paris, what are they? I love the architecture. Yes. I love the, I love that. Isn't it stunning? Oh my goodness. I love the houseman buildings. I love, I just love getting lost around. I, I love getting lost here. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the architecture and just wondering these streets. And I'm always feel, I always feel like a tourist here, even though I've been here for nine years. Yeah. I'm still wow. And still discovering. Still discovering, still wild. And I'm still a kid when I go to Versailles and I'm still a kid yeah. when I see this, the Eiffel Tower sparkle. Yeah. It is very much a city and a country that offers those of us who are blessed to live here so much. Yeah. So the first thing was, you know, I love the architecture. And the second is that I love the life that this country has afforded me. This, this is a, a very much work to live culture as opposed to a, a live to work. Yeah. I, I am not stressed here. I have plenty of vacation. I am enveloped in luxury everywhere. And I don't think I could find that anywhere else. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable being able to go to the south of France during summer. I can catch a train to the south of yeah. France. And, and just so many different towns in so many different cities, it's almost like going back in time. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's what I love. Being an hour away from Lyon, uh, being able to go to Brittany or to be able to go to Normandy yes. and just everything is just so close. Mm -hmm. and, and even being able to go to London or to mm -hmm. the Netherlands or to Belgium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Living in yeah. Europe and just being able to hop, skip and a jump. And you can go to a different town in Paris and maybe it's an hour out or two hours and it's vastly different. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I, so it's remarkable. 
Yeah, I found out how different it was, even just going to uh, La Défense. Yes, um, because we were in La Défense, and my French is not great. Okay, but I'm, you know, I'm able to make my way. Mm-hmm. And um, we were in La Défense, and we were eating, and um, I said, "Vous parlez anglais?" No. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, okay. So I spoke the little French I did know, right? Mm-hmm. And got to laughing with the, the waitress. And she came back and she was talking in English. And I said, mm, okay. She just wanted to see how far I was going to go and how much I knew. Exactly. Because you know, she knew English. But it was interesting. Whereas when you are in more of the tourist trap, then, you know, if you say, vous parlez anglais, they're ah, yes, you know, mm-hmm. they'll speak. So. Mm-hmm. And happy to speak it because they want to practice their English, you know? Yeah, you know, one of my best friends, Baca, hey Baca, you know, I love you. He's from Senegal. Okay. He lives in Paris and has been there for years. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first met him, I was so excited and so happy, right? Mm-hmm. Because growing up, I always wanted, I was that kid that wanted to have a pen pal, you know? Because oh, okay. when I grew up, we didn't have all of these emails and all that crap, mm-hmm. right? It was just, you know, um, you would hear about pen pals. Mm-hmm. So when he and I became friends, it was like, wow. I don't know why I felt like, I felt validated for my experience in Paris. Mm-hmm. Even though I have been so many times, it was like, okay, I have someone over there who knows me. Yes. Like, and that's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know that he knows this, but I really felt like, wow, I have a friend over there who knows me. Like, I really, I've been there. Yes, you know? yes. It's, it's so weird. But I, talking to him about Paris, he feels the same way about New York. Oh, really? For him, New York is everything. Yeah. It's so interesting because for him, New York is everything. And for me, Paris is everything. So when I'm talking about Paris, then he goes and say, ah, yeah, but this about New York, ah, that about New York. So it's so funny. And I think we always want what we don't have or we appreciate more uh, different experiences than the ones that we were brought up with. Definitely. Definitely. But let's get back to this Congolese man that you were dating. Oh, so gosh. you're in this relationship. You were getting paid under the table. <laughs> yeah. He was helping you financially how did the relationship evolve and where's the relationship now okay so the relationship is no longer existent um the so i would say that the relationship did not evolve okay and i felt i felt very stagnant with him because what was happening here it's you know i came when i came here it was literally get it out the mud and You know, he was able, you know, to, to help me until once I signed my contract, my work contract and things started progressing for me very, very fast. But meanwhile, things weren't really progressing for him career wise. And I think that put mm. a bit of a strain on our relationship. And also my attitude may have changed a bit and I'm not going to put our breakup on me, but I'm saying, I, I think, yeah, yeah. you know, at one point when I initially got here, I was in a very vulnerable position yeah. trying to figure things out for myself. And by the third year, I, I kind of, you know, I had it figured out. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I was going. I was for the most part, pretty much set. Yeah. Whereas he had some goals and things that he wanted to accomplish that was taking a lot longer than, than he expected. And so it put a strain on our relationship and we ended up breaking up and when we broke up it was at that point I decided I had to make a decision do I want to stay in this country because I I loved it but I only kind of knew it with him yeah and I felt at the time 
that it was better with him. And, yeah. and that's actually how, that's actually how my business was born, going through a breakup and needing something here. ParisChic.com? Paris Chic Code. Like cheat code. Paris Chic Code. The Chic Code. But okay, be- I was close. Yes. But before <laughs> Paris Chic Code, it was penniless in Paris because that's how I that's how I got here. I didn't have a saving. It, it yeah. was sink or swim, get it out the mud. But then I rebranded about uh, a year ago because nobody believed I was penniless in it, y'all. I know I wouldn't. Right. You started Paris Chic Code. What is Paris Chic Code? Paris Chic Code is all things chic in Paris. So I show you, first and foremost, I help people move to Paris. I coach you on what to do, what visas you need, um, how to work. I think we need to make that a little bit more personal. Yes. You're going to po- you're going to coach Amir on what he needs to do. You're going <laughs> to co- <laughs> absolutely. No, I'm sorry. Yes, you are going to be my next client. Um, but yes, I coach. You know. Francophiles, you know, people who love Paris or who love France to move to the city of light or move to any other city in France, depending on what they want to do. Um, I also help women. I do shopping tours here and I also help women like their personal style and confidence level. I've always been a chic girl. I learned that from my mother. My mother worked in San Francisco. She always wore all black and everywhere she went, she was dressed. There was no pajama pants and pool slides in Walmart. That's just not mm-hmm. what we did. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I have a very, okay. I have a very refined type of style. And I, a, a lot of women like that, but don't necessarily know how to put things together. So I do help uh, women, you know, build a capsule wardrobe or with their personal style and things like that. Awesome. Was it working at Louis Vuitton where your love for Louis Vuitton came or your love for designer goods? Because in some of your videos, I know. I'm like, how many pieces of Louis Vuitton does this lady have? Because in one of your videos, you were taking something back to get repaired and you were like, I have two of them and this one isn't as bad. I know. And, and, and to God be the glory for working there where we were able to get all those perks. But my, my love for Louis Vuitton actually came from my mother. My mother wore Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. My love of luxury uh, or Louis Vuitton more specifically it it stemmed from my mother my mother taught me that when you go on a trip you carry Louis Vuitton when you carry a handbag you have you carry Louis Vuitton period Mm. so it was very fitting you know that I started to work there yeah really really interesting when it comes to to Paris you really see how many things they're known for they're known for like so many luxury items as far as like the luxury clothing but not Outside of that, perfumes. Outside of that, wine. Outside of that, desserts. Yes. You've been in Paris for nine years. You love it. You're not going anywhere, right? Not, Not for now. Not for now. Okay. I think, you know, during the pandemic, all of us kind of realized how much we take this place for granted. Yeah. So when Macron gave us our freedom papers, we have been outside ever. We've been outside ever since. We haven't sat down. We have not sat down. I mean, we have been outside like rock stars, uh, you know, every day. But now it's, it's, you know, it's it's pretty cold. So we're kind of we're kind of tame. But for yeah, the most yeah. part, um, we're outside. Yeah. Because you guys do brunch every Sunday, right? For the most part, yes. Yeah. Somebody has a, I mean, it's especially us expats here. Yeah. You know, brunch is really an expat thing. 
Whereas, you know, the French, now the French will have a brunch or an apero, but it's usually at their homes, you know? Yeah. Whereas expats, we like to be outside. We want to go to dinner. We want to see our friends that own restaurants. It's our time to connect with each other and speak in English and uh, just, you know, be around each other, be around fellow Americans. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always say that I don't think an apparel is, is really similar to, to brunch, even though people try to group them together. That's so different because people have apparels at, at night, too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like you go to an apparel at like six, seven o'clock or we had one for New Year's one year when we were there mm-hmm. at a, a friend's house and we had an apparel, you know, and we brought all of this stuff and they had all of these nice things for us. Mm-hmm. But it's different to me than a brunch. But so what's your favorite restaurants in Paris? So, you know, I definitely have to plug my friend's restaurant, Trez Au Jardin, and it's Trez like the number. Um, it's so basically the number 13 in the garden. Okay. And, you know, two of my friends are the owners. One of the owners is from South Carolina and the other owner, she is Swedish. And okay. they have done a great job of cooking like very Southern food mm. and you know, making the atmosphere very homely. Okay. So it's definitely a place where expats, we go for brunch, we go for lunch, and then we just sit and just talk and enjoy ourselves. It's it's like the cheers. It's the che- it's our cheers mm-hmm. of Paris. Awesome. Yes. You said it's Southern food. What kind of dishes do they we have? have? There's like chicken and biscuits. Mm. There. Okay, so is, really Southern. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, of course, <laughs> pancakes. Because of, of course, we do we do brunch there for the most part. Nice um, yeah. pulled pork, sausage. They have some greens and yams. No, no, no. They're not going that far. They're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was about to come with my plate. Okay, what no. you talking about? You can't find that. For the most part, you can't get that out of Black American culture. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Any others? In the 18th arrondissement, it's called Le Jardin en Face. So the garden in your face. It's a very, very small restaurant, but so good. Oh my gosh. Every mm. time I go, I I absolutely love it. Very, very small. They take reservations, of course, but very good. All the, the restaurants, they maison. So, you know, fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And my friend's restaurant, the same thing. So I would probably say those two are okay. like my favorites. What's your favorite boulangerie or bakery? Sorry. Ooh, my favorite boulangerie. I would say my favorite boulangerie right now is the boulangerie that's close. Well, it's not closest to me, but it's probably about a seven minute walk, which in Parisian culture it means it's far, right? A seven yeah, step for bread, it's far. So, but it's the best. It's the best bakery. Um, they do a trois chocolat, which is uh, absolutely divine. And they have the best tradition uh, baguettes that I absolutely love. So mm-hmm. I would say that's my favorite boulangerie. There are much more fancier ones in, you know, in the city but the one that i frequent i will have to say is my favorite what's the name of it do you know la kremlin was ah okay la kremlin was but what's one of the things you don't like about paris i think sometimes french people can be very abrasive mm-hmm. and that is something that I, I i don't like they are very polite yeah they're always going to say please and thank you but sometimes they are very short for no reason, especially yeah. in like customer service doesn't necessarily exist here in that way. Very true. Um, so that can be uh, very frustrating. 
that. And what else? I think sometimes, especially being an expat here, things are very difficult as far as like the bureaucracy of yeah. uh, getting things done here. Because like you said, things close early. So things that you th- things that you don't even think about, like you can't do. For example, I, I wanted to deposit cash. I wanted to I wanted to pay my rent and I wanted to just put the money in my my landlord's account, the owner okay. her account. And that's not something you can do. That's not something Why? you because the the lady actually said, well, what if um I mean, what if she doesn't want the money? I said, who doesn't want money? If I have the account number, why couldn't I just put the money? Like, so things sometimes are very backwards. I want to also talk about like when we went on the, when the pandemic happened, this country wasn't prepared because, you know, they don't do a lot of things online. It was very difficult for them to transition to online. You don't have, a lot of the banks don't have a system where you could deposit money. Hmm. You can take out money. They all have the, the machine where you can take out money. But why wouldn't you have the machine where we can deposit money? Is that not absurd? Yeah. So they, you know, so it was very difficult for them to transition because they, I mean, you know, they were still in the, in the 80s, the 70s. Hmm. And so coming from a, a country like the United States, where things are made to be convenient for us here, I feel like it's just made to be inconvenient. Everything is inconvenient. <laughs> everything yeah yeah it is very interesting mm-hmm. it's the things that i love and then it's the things that are um having to complain about something there is very interesting oh yeah um because i've complained about things you know like not m- my food or certain things and they kind of look at you like well, so yeah they don't care you know? <laughs> who cares you know right. and also one, another thing I didn't like is I don't want to say that French people are not clean because I don't think that that's the case. Mm-hmm. But this was before the pandemic and I've always kind of been a little bit of a germaphobe. But Saturday mornings or like Sunday mornings, you know, and, you know, people get baguettes every day. But really on Saturday and Sunday, you see so many people, you know, getting baguettes in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was just so interesting to me because the lady was ringing up the people no gloves or nothing touching the money and everything and she would literally just grab the baguette with her hands and yep. put it in the paper and give it to you mm-hmm. and i said oh i don't want a baguette and my my friends from france were like what's wrong and i was like oh she touched it with her hands they were like oh it's fine <laughs> yeah. no it's not. not not for me right. you know so if you guys want to eat it go ahead but you know I, I don't like sharing my 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 food with money and you know all of that but mm-hmm. it is very different because like in america you know we would have trip like if somebody did that it would have been a mistake or it would have been something that the manager would have said oh, okay well you know you should do that mm-hmm. and it's just the whole thought process behind it is so different there um i will say that the quality of food though i think is better in france for sure um than it is in america but it's just some of the like policies and things that they have over there are very interesting. Yes. And 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 with the policy with regards to to food, you know, you have a we eat a lot of food that was grown the, the meat is grown in France and the, the vegetables are grown in France and they are very strict with mm-hmm. what the French consume. So you don't have a lot of GMO things like that. I just came back from the States. I was in the States for six weeks. I gained like 15 pounds in six mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Even even though I was eating at home, 
Yeah. Eating at home and going to the gym. I said, but but there's so many hormones in the food. You're just no match. Yes. You're no match for the yep. food. Whereas here, yep. I'm eating the same thing, if not more, and losing weight. Yeah. And yeah. I, I said that too, because if you think of the average American diet, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that 50% of people eat no bread, mm-hmm. you know, or, or very little bread. Yes. Or the amount of bread that you compare it to the amount of bread that the French eat, because it's so many boulangeries on every corner and people are eating like my friend Baca. I'm, I'm talking about you, Baca. He will get a baguette. He will get a croissant and then he'll get a pon- um, the, the chocolate croissant. Mm, and, you know, he'll eat it. Yeah, mm-hmm. chocolate. Yeah, and he'll get it and he'll eat it. And I'm like, man, you know, I feel so bad that I just ate two croissants and you ate all of that and it just does nothing to you, you know? Listen, <laughs> like, all day they're eating bread. All yes. day you're eating fresh bread. But, but who can, who can, and can pass on the opportunity to eat that fresh bread? Man, I went to a French bakery actually just last week because I was having withdrawals because mm-hmm. um, I hadn't had a, ba- a baguette or a croissant in a couple of years because I haven't been to France. The, the last time I was in France, we actually came back right as the pandemic was starting because I came back January mm-hmm. 13, 2020. Okay. Uh, excuse me. It was January fourth, January something like that. It was early January because I, I missed the sales. Uh-huh. I like that they always have at the end of January. But anyway, and so we came back and it was 2020 though. Mm-hmm. And you remember, I think like March is when everything like went mayhem. Yes. So I hadn't had a baguette or anything there, and I didn't want to have one here. You know, mm-hmm. people don't understand. Once you've been to Paris and you've had something in Paris, you cannot have that again in America unless <laughs> it's made by French chefs or something yes because it just will make you upset you will pay more money for something and it won't taste as good Mm -hmm. but you know i went to um i forget the name of the bakery and then it was amazing it was just like i was in paris and i actually when i bit into it the the croissant was so flaky and it was so buttery and it was so tasty and it was so good and i was just like man it made me miss home yes yes you need to come back soon once things wind down Mm mm-hmm then I'll definitely be back all the time. And you'll have a plus one at your brunch. Yes! And um, <laughs> that was another thing, too, mm-hmm. why I haven't been back. It's because when you know a place, like I'm not, I don't consider myself a visitor of Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to me, it's like my second home. Mm-hmm. So because I've been there, I don't want to go back and be limited. Mm. And it's just like New York now. We're open, but we're not open. We're like, when you open the door a little bit, just to see who's coming in, you know, who's at the door. Mm-hmm. You know how when you do that, when you look and say, who is it? And you kind of look at <laughs> right. the door, right. out the door. It's kind of like, that's how I feel how open New York and Paris are. They're not fully with the door open. All of the places are open. Some places are open, but they're only open for certain hours because the business isn't the same and they're closing. Some people just haven't even been able to open yet or they're only open on certain days. So when I come back, I need it to feel like it always has felt. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I will be disappointed or at least somewhat of like what it what I'm used to. Right. You know, Because like you, I, I walk around and just get lost. Yeah. And literally just get lost and then you can just get back onto the metro and just exactly. go back. And, and nobody wants to nobody wants to be in Paris and, and especially visiting and be restricted, you know? You yeah. want to be able to do the things that you want to do and go to your favorite boutiques and bakeries yes. and things like that. So I completely yes. understand. This is weird, but when I go to Paris, I always go to Monoprix and I always get they have the little bags that you can 
I don't know how to how to really describe it, but it's a it's a small bag. I think it's more like a nylon, and it's in this little sack. And I always loved it because you could just carry it with you and you put it in your bag. And those I've collected those. I don't know why. Like some people collect keychains and all of that. Mm-hmm. I always buy those to collect those. Is there anything in France or in Paris that you love so much that you buy a lot of? Hermes silk scarves from Hermes. I collect those. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? what, what? <laughs> That's something to collect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why? Why their scarves? I absolutely love the detail. I love the detail and the craftsmanship of Hermes. I know that it's you know hand wet, which is which is absolutely. I, I just love it. I love the feel and the look of a silk scarf for any ensemble. And I think one thing that I have always respected, even when I first came here and I noticed about the women here, French women, is that French women always have on a scarf. Mm. And I learned that, oh, wow, it a scarf just adds such flavor to an outfit. And yeah. so while I do have many scarves, you know, from different brands, I have definitely fallen in love with the Hermes brand because they're very whimsical, very different. I I like the color combinations. Often they're not necessarily, uh, you know, sometimes it's not always logo, right? Actually, there is no logo for the most part. It is a design of some sort. And you would never know if it's Hermes unless you just know Hermes. Yeah. And, you know, excellent quality still. I love to drape it. I love to add that pizzazz to my ensemble. So, yeah, I collect Hermes silk scarves. Wow. If somebody snatched you up and said you have to leave Paris now, what would be the one thing that you would miss the most? Let me not limit it to one. What would you miss the most? I would very much miss my life here because I don't think that I would be able to go anywhere else and have this life. I will say this, I had a fabulous life in New York, but I had to work very hard to maintain it. Yeah. And because I had to work so hard to maintain it, I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah, that is very true. Whereas here, I live a fabulous life and I don't have to work that hard to maintain it. And at this age, that's what I need. Yeah. I don't want to have to work hard for the rest of my life. And this country, again, because it is a work to live country, I don't I don't have to work so hard. I have I have a lot of time where I can take care of myself and enjoy. I, I have time to enjoy my life. I don't make nearly as much money as I made in New York. Not even close, but I have my time. You don't think you need it? At all. I don't need it. I don't want it. If you told me that I would have to go back to New York, I'd be kicking and screaming. I mean, New York is a fabulous city. I know in order to live the life that I want to live, I have to sacrifice a lot of my time. Yeah. And it's not fun. Very true. That's one thing about living in the States that I don't miss. You know, when I go back to the States, I usually go back and I spend about five, six weeks visiting my entire family and everything like that. And what Americans have bought into is working hard to have things. Yeah. 
And yes, you have this big house. And yes, you have this fabulous, you know, you have this fabulous house, and this fabulous car, and maybe a, lot, a wonderful wardrobe. But you're commuting, you know, four hours a day. And by the time the weekend gets here, you're too exhausted to go anywhere. But people don't mind or maybe even think about it because what they see is, well, my hard work is going to this, you know, my, my gigantic house. And for me, that's not enough. I'd rather have an apartment and be able to go to the south of France, or Saint-Tropez, or go to Mykonos, or Bora Bora. Yeah. Being a, a Black or African-American woman, mm -hmm. do you get your Black fix in France? Very much so. Oh, there's a ton yeah. of Blacks here. But I will it say is. this, I am a Black American woman and I don't share a culture with, you know, Francophone Africans. You know, it's very different. Yeah. yeah. So I have to get my fix from my, you know, Black American girlfriends here. Or I get my fix when I go home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's probably why I go when I stay for such a long time. Because, because I do need that and I do it annually. I need to be around you know, I need to be in my culture and I need to be around my culture, be around my, yeah. be in my country and around my culture. I was at an apparel and it was um, like four black people there. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't many of us. It was like 10, but it was four black, well, three black people, four, four black, sorry, four black people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they said, where are you from? I'm like, New York. They're like, oh, great. Where are you from? I'm like, America. No, no, but where are you from? Right. <laughs> I'm I'm black. That's but, it. Okay, but where are you from? Listen, slavery. Okay. okay? <laughs> that's, Period. that's where I'm from. Okay. Period. And they still don't get it no. the same. They still don't truly understand it because they still look at it like, okay, I know he's from America, but are you Jamaican? Mm. Are you Senegalese? Mm -hmm. Are you no, I don't know. I'm I American. Exactly. So I get what you mean, but I mm -hmm. was surprised at the amount of black people, though, that live in France. When I was there, I was just like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. you will not feel like, OK, you're the only black person in the room. But I will say they do treat black Americans different than they treat black Africans. I agree. Yeah, I it's kind of sad. It is. It's, they treat black Americans better yeah. than they treat black Africans. But listen, Afri but black Africans are treated better than black Americans in the United States. There's an immigrant privilege that, you know, that, yeah. that comes with that. And so it's it is unfortunate, but it's the reality of the, the societies that we live in or, you know, where whites are the dominant group. Yeah. Do you watch Emily in Paris? No, I tried, <laughs> but I couldn't get into it. I've tried okay. a few times and I, I didn't like the looks. Well, the first reason the, I, I, she, I thought she was just too silly initially. And then the second reason there weren't there weren't enough people of color. Yeah. So yeah. I couldn't get into it. Are you currently in a relationship or dating now? I'm dating, but not in a relationship. OK, well, that's good. Yeah. You know? Well, I am excited. I cannot wait for you to help me with my move. Yes. <laughs> but I'm so thankful to, um, to have spoken to another person who loves Paris as much as I do and has made Paris her home. Any final words? Um, well, I first want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on your wonderful podcast. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Any final words? Okay. Well, even though you are going to be my next client, 
a lot of Black women follow me on Instagram and on YouTube. And, and I, I remember before I moved to New York, I remember so many Black women saying, I, yeah, I wish I would have moved. I wanted to move, but you know, I had children. And I wanted to move because, but I couldn't because my parents told me that it wasn't a good idea. And I wanted to do this. I wanted, I wanted to move, but I couldn't. And then I heard the same thing when I moved to Paris. So many Black women saying they wish they would have and they wish they could have, but something, some sort of obstacle stood in their way. And so I would say to Black women and Black girls, do not let anything stand in your way from living your dreams. Albeit children or naysayers or your family. If there is something that you want to do, if you want to experience living in Paris, if you want to experience living in Italy, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think as Black women, we have taken on the burden of looking after everyone else but ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. My final word would be that Black women deserve luxury. They deserve soft lives and they deserve and must indulge in self-care. And if that means moving abroad, then do it. And you can always come home. If it doesn't work, you can always go home. Yep. Wonderful fine word, fine last words. Thank or you. final words, I just said, I don't like last words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You are more than welcome. Thank you so, so, so much. This will be one of many conversations. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready whenever you are. Awesome. Thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. Take care, Sidney. How could you not love Paris? Its beauty is captivating. The neighborhoods and the statues are breathtaking. And the croissants and the baguettes are absolutely delightful. If you have never been to Paris, you need to book a trip immediately. Do you want to move to Paris, but you are not sure how? Well, no fear. Latrice from Paris Sheet Code is here to help. Paris Sheet Code is a company that assists female expats who have a desire to move to Paris. For more information on Paris Sheet Code, you can go to their website www.parasheetcode.com For more on Latrice, you can watch her on YouTube at Paris Sheet Code or you can follow her on Instagram at Paris Sheet Code. If you are ever in Paris and you want to capture your experience and those magical memories on film, then contact Cristiano Joachini. He will build you a custom package to fulfill all of your photography needs. To contact Cristiano, you can follow him on Instagram at Cristiano.geo or you can watch him on YouTube at Cristiano Joachini. That's Cristiano G-I-O-A-C-C-H-I-N-I. If you're ever in Paris and you're in the mood for some good comfort food or brunch, lunch, tea, tapas, dinner, or cocktails, then don't forget to try Tres Ajardin. You can follow them on Instagram at Tres underscore Ajardin. That's spelled T-R-E-I-Z-E underscore A-U underscore J-A-R-D-I-N. That's our show for today. And happy Black History Month to everyone. The music used during the interview of this episode, La Vie en Rose, produced by MSKD Sounds. Flashback and I Am, produced by Tony Hanska. French Collective Lounging, produced by Giovanni B. And Miles Ahead and Take It Easy, produced by Danya Voodoo Vos. Thank you for listening to the What's Your Thoughts on this podcast. We truly appreciate your support. Our show is produced by Amir Ali. 
Our theme song was written by Amir Ali, produced by Adrian Brundy, and performed by Enrico Delves. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have a question or you want to provide some feedback, send an email to WITOTpodcast at gmail.com. Our podcast is available on all platforms, so make sure you subscribe to our show and follow us on social media. Be well, be safe, and be blessed. Until next time.